Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. Welcome to the Shuffle Pass Podcast. I am Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined today by my brother Will Sawyer, and that's it. We got a small group this week, so it's just going to be the two of us chopping it up. We just finished up week 14, and uh, what are we talking about today? We're just kind of, today's a little freeform, so let's just uh, have a look at the games, the news this week. I think maybe maybe we start with Urban Meyer. Sure, why not? What a disaster. What a debacle. Well, I, I feel like we talked about this earlier in the, Is he one in the and season. And, we did. Yeah, we touched on it. And, and I was I was pretty strongly wording that uh, I, I didn't think that he was going to be one and done. I, I felt like almost no matter what his performance, he was going to get a, a second year. But the, the kind of like exception to that is if you just torch the culture in the locker room if you lose the team and and it really feels like he's doing his best <laughs> the team it, it looks like he's torching everything just burning I, it to the ground he hasn't but... done anything right no like name one thing that this guy has done right you brought him in because he's supposed to be like i, I don't know has anybody ever called him a quarterback whisperer I mean, I don't. I don't uh, think so, honestly. No, like the quarterbacks I, I don't that come so. out of his programs. Uh, I guess some of them are doing pretty well. Okay, okay. But a bunch of them transferred out of his program, went somewhere else, and then and then got good. So, um, like I'm thinking, Jalen Hurts and uh, and um, even Joe Burrow. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't, Anyways, I don't I think just, anyone is convinced that he's a quarterback whisperer, but he has always had strong teams and, and uh, strong mental teams. I think that's my impression of what he's coached at the college level, but the NFL is a different, different mentality, different beast. You can't treat the guys the same way that you did in college and everything that I've been hearing he seems to be trying to treat these guys like as kids. if they're college students. Right. And like bossing them around and trying to rule with an iron fist. And I think if anything we've seen in in the modern NFL, you can't do that. No, you, you know you need to establish stories of the, the older coaches the you know, decades ago that used to bark and make the guys run laps and hit each other and you know, it was real military style. That doesn't work anymore doesn't work in the age of social media and and player empowerment and and when they're all you know making more money than urban meyer (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly no it's crazy though like yeah i know there's there's always this transition from college to the pros and and you wonder how that's going to work because it's not about recruiting the, the best team it's about coaching the team up 
to be the best team. And but he just seems to be stepping in bear traps every every at every turn. You know, it's like his media relations suck. His you know, I don't even know what you call that incident when he went back to Ohio in the bar. Like his awareness sucks. His culture building sucks. It's not even just the team that he's alienating. He called his assistant coaches losers, made them justify their resumes. You hired them. I know. I don't get it. And and it all comes back to him. And that, that that's my biggest thing for me as head coach. As soon as you are, as soon as you lose accountability, you're done. Like there's no such thing to me as an NFL head coach that is not accountable for everything that goes on under him. And right. And as it soon as he coach, loses though. perspective yeah. on that, you're done. You, you've lost the room. You've lost your guys. There's no gaining it back. You have to point the finger inward first. Exactly. At right. Exactly. You just hit it. You hit the nail on the head. You have to point the finger at yourself first. And it's about setting an example. You lead by example. Players buy into a coach that they see setting the example with themselves coach that protects them the coach that doesn't throw anybody under the bus the coach that takes the blame because he's the one sitting at the top he chose all of his staff so right there he's accountable everything yeah, and he, he he's, he's kind of fumbled that one too i mean Jeez, it, yeah. it was the first thing he fumbled so hiring yeah. his staff anyways Anyways, it was, it was great uh, this this week on on Twitter. Uh, Warren Sharp, who who I follow, uh, posted a great image of uh, a, I, I think it was an old broadcast of Urban Meyer on Fox Sports talking about the the criteria to examine for struggling teams. Oh. And his his three criteria were trust issues, dysfunctional environment, and selfishness. Which he takes all the boxes. <laughs> he's, he's doing his best to just the trifecta. pump all three. Yeah, he's the trifecta. He's the dysfunctional team trifecta. <laughs> all on his own. So is he one and done? I mean, hey, listen, I, I, I've been an Urban Meyer fan. Like when he, when he was at Florida, I was all about Urban Meyer. But boy, he's really kind of... Um, pooped in a bucket so far well, uh, uh, yeah <laughs> for me if uh if i'm con i i sit him down I, i'm gonna give him to the end of the season just because <laughs> there, there's nothing else to, there's nothing <laughs> else to down. do at this point listen but, son <laughs> uh, I, I i would sit down not just with him but with all of the players and all of the remaining coaches on staff uh <laughs> And, and I would have a little interview, a little post-mortem on the season. And if I'm getting feedback from the players that they can't play for this guy, oh, well, then you're done. Like, you can't change over an entire NFL roster. You can switch out a few coaches here or there. If there's just a, f a few guys that have a problem with them, then maybe you can evaluate that. But if you have a widespread dislike for this guy just like we do not want to play for him well he, that's not going to change next year doesn't matter what kind of attitude he comes in with next year doesn't matter what changes he makes 
you're not changing over the whole roster. You need buy-in from the locker room. Well, I just don't. Oh. So I don't. I don't get that. Yeah, I don't understand how you can keep him for next year. Honestly, Me I have neither. a hard. Tr- I have a hard time seeing how he comes back from this. He's made so many mistakes up to this point. And he's alienated so many people, and he's had staff actively walking out the door. He had wh- who was it? One of the defensive coaches, I think, walked out the door for personal reasons before the, the season. So maybe related, maybe not. Who knows, right? Then he yep. had not too long ago. He had his. Uh, who was it? I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to butcher this. Somebody's going to fact check me on this. <laughs> Somebody left to go back to college. It was a high-ranking team official. Left to go back to college. Basically was like, I'm out. Enough. This I, I can't be part of this. I don't know. There's just where there's smoke, there's fire, my friend. And, and I have a hard time seeing how he convinces Shad Khan that I'm the one you should keep. And if I clean house, I can turn this around. Clean house. <laughs> like how, how clean do you have to get it at this point? Well, but because whoever it... you keep, whoever you keep has to buy in. Because if anyone is left that doesn't believe in him and his system, they're just going to transfer that culture forward when the new well, group of guys come in. Exactly. Like, but that's the point. You can't expunge it. Is he going to like a disease? What clear everyone out? Everyone else is the problem. How are you going to convince Chad Khan that everyone else is the problem except me? I'm the man with the plan. And I, everyone else screwed my plan up. And now I'm, I need to start over and implement a new plan. Like, I just don't, <laughs> I don't I think, see it happen. I, I think I, he I, might be one and done, honestly. And which is funny to, to think that he's going to be one and done. And, uh, and, uh, shit, the, the Detroit coach, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. He's going to get another season. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you know what? Honestly, I like Because the Dan players Campbell. love him. Yeah. I the, like him. The players are buying in and they have, a, they have a culture. They have a locker room. Did you see them celebrating after they got their first win? Oh, it was like the Super Bowl. I, I know, right? I'm I'm serious. <laughs> I'm laughing because they won one game. Like, who cares? You won one game. You still suck the bag. <laughs> the and, big giant but like, bag. But like, <laughs> but it almost brought a tear to my eye. I was like, wow. And, guys, and they all came good out. Good for you. Like, this and is they, a team they... that loves each other and they believe in each other and they, they you know? It feels like they have a bit of swagger, which is crazy considering the record. But it feels like they have that kind of... And seeing that scene in the locker room, seeing that scene in the locker room where they're all all just elated and cheering and hugging their coach and like there was was real team love there, it kind of made me want to go play for them. They've won one game all season. They're terrible. They're They're awful. Like they're embarrassing when they're on the field. But man, seeing that, I was like, I could, man, I kind of want to. I would, I would go play for him. Oh, I'd rather go play for him than go play for uh, Zimmer. So there's that. Or Urban Meyer. Or, <laughs> or Urban, Urban Meyer. Meyer. Any day yeah. of the week. So there yeah. you go. For sure. All for right. Sure. <laughs> we love you, Detroit. We're pretty hard on you sometimes, but we love you. <laughs> 
Detroit's like that kid brother that everybody everybody loves, but they also just love to pick on. <laughs> oh man, like I, I don't know. It, you, you know what? The Bills were were bad for a pretty uh, a, a minute. You know, and, um, and, <laughs> um, <laughs> a couple two three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and. <laughs> It, it was exciting when they started coming back to relevance and, and you're like, hey, like they might actually go to the playoffs. They might actually win a playoff game. I honestly hope for that for Detroit. I, I, do I, too. I, do too. I hope that they get there. They, they're still a long way off from there. They're a long way <laughs> off, yeah. Exactly. So far off that Stafford was like, yo, I got to go. <laughs> oh, he, he was, he was going to die there before uh, he, yeah. he pulled them out of the dumpsters. So. <laughs> yeah yeah all right okay enough about urban meyer so uh what do we talk about next we kind of talked about uh what did we talk about last week we talked about the afc last week we, we, we did talked a little about NFC, afc but we yeah did yeah i guess so well okay so who are the best teams in the nfc because i think after this weekend we saw some impre- impressive performances by the teams that are at the top of the nfc um them being, I'll just name the, the the four that stand out to me are the Rams and Cardinals. They played last night, and that was that was a that was a really um, interesting game to watch. Uh, Green Bay Packers. They look more. They look more more and more formidable each week. The more I see them, um, the more I think they're built for a playoff run and a, and a Super Bowl appearance. Um, as much as it pains me to say that. Uh, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think those are the four teams in the NFC that stand out to me as like the real um, cream of the crop. Absolutely. Um, and and as much as it pains me to say, I, well, I, I, I would kind of put the, the Rams and the Cowboys in, in a similar kind of position. I Even though uh, the, the Rams beat the Cardinals this week like that that's great um but the Rams have had a little bit more up and down throughout the season and it still remains to be seen how much they can string together yeah I feel a, I feel a little bit that way with Dallas like the talent is there man if Dallas's offense gets cooking right who's gonna stop them right they're scary yeah no there's a you're right there's a but, recency bias to my comments there that like the Rams looked really really great last night yeah uh, and the Cowboys have looked kind of ho-hum for the last several weeks. Although, before last night, the Rams looked ho-hum for several weeks, so I would have said the same thing. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, but I don't disagree with you putting kind of those four teams at the top uh, until Dallas does turn around their offense. Yeah. They're, a little bit, they're a little bit vulnerable. That's and what, what have you done down. for me lately? Like, I watched their defense. on the weekend. Well, that's it. <laughs> to, to me, their defense, like on the weekend okay several weeks now their defense just keeps getting better and better on the weekend they look like an a plus defense and their offense looked like a c plus a b you know yeah yeah it was it was disjointed and and not not coordinated the way you'd hope. yeah they don't look like they're executing the way they should be that doesn't look like they have a rhythm Dax missing looks, throws yeah, he doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't feel like he has a rhythm or, or I don't know. Well, really know it, what it uh, is. Jerry came out after the game and, and and he's sort of 
backwards, kind of kind of backpedaled into saying, yeah, you know, Dak's kind of in a slump. I don't think that's news to anybody. <laughs> you just watch him play. Like he's like, no, no, he's healthy, but I, I think now you might call it a slump. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's been a few weeks. It's not just, you know, it's not injury related. Uh, hasn't been. It's not like he, he's not playing like shit. He just, he's just, just a little bit not, hit and miss. A little bit hit and miss. A little bit not, disjointed. You know. Yeah. But he's not lifting up the team. He's just a quarterback. He's just there. But I will say, uh, I mean, particularly from our top teams here. Uh, but this week in general, there were some unbelievable passes. Yeah. It was like every game that I watched, there were two, three, four passes where I'm going, wow, that guy yeah, just crazy dropped throws. that into the yeah. bucket. Like crazy throws. Cross the body 40 yards downfield and, and puts it on the head of a pin. Just like. Yeah. So there's two there's two of those that, that make me think of that. Um well okay, which which threw let's do that. We'll go through some of these. Which throws stood out to you this weekend? There's a couple that stand out to me. Uh Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he seems and you can't and you can't pick one throw. Week. No. <laughs> there's, there's a few of them. There's yeah. a few of them in that game that it's like uh, uh, how are you supposed to play this guy? Yeah. Tyler, the, the, the announcers in that game were funny, actually. They were getting all hot and bothered over how, how great fields looked. And, and you know, and you were texting me saying, <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be great if, if the Bears beat the Packers and then fields did the I own you in the end zone? <laughs> it hey, would have been. It would have been poetic. It would have been great. Yeah. I would have loved nothing more than to see that and, and just have the camera focused on Aaron Rodgers' face as it happens. But, <laughs> Me too. But, alas. Um, Unfortunately, the Bears are just maybe not quite that team, not this year, and, and yeah, the Packers no. are every bit that team. Yeah. The so, Bears are still owned by Aaron Rodgers, and he made no... Well, um, sidebar here, um, I, I brought it up on the weekend, but... I continue to be frustrated by one of the rules in the NFL where on an onside kick, the kicking team is not allowed to advance the ball after recovery. Yeah. I, I never really understood that. Why not? I, th- I think that would be such an exciting play. The guy picks up the, the fumble on a run, like picks up the kick on a run on the run and just takes it into the end zone. And Chicago did that. Chicago did that right at the end of the game, and it would have meant a touchdown that would bring them within one score. They would have still had to probably kick another onside. The odds of them moving forward, pretty low, but right. it, it would have kept the game exciting, and the guy was gone. And it makes it, it makes an onside kick even more exciting because onside kicks are a little like, wah, wah. even if you get it, it's kind of like, oh, great, there was a pileup and they got it, and now they have to go the whole length of the field to maybe have a chance at a win. And, like, and, that and would I, flip a game real fast, which is really cool. And I don't understand it from a safety standpoint right. because the the most dangerous part of an onside kick is the receiving team trying to get on that ball. They are about to get cleaned out. It's the pileup that happens. Yeah, the yes. pileup's going to happen one way or another. 
That's the danger. You let the guy advance it. I think it's just one if of a, the rules. Will if work, a defender like, grabs it and he's running, it's it's honestly less dangerous than a normal kickoff return. But it's not a safety right. thing. Honestly, I feel like that's rule. what they brought up when they brought in that rule because it didn't used to be that. They added that rule. It used to be a kickoff was a live ball. Period. I don't know when they brought that in, but yeah, I don't know. Let's do some research. Yeah, let's I'm gonna, do some gonna, research and get back to the. We'll, get, we'll get, double come back, back to that. Yeah, we'll but, double back to it. But yeah, that made no sense to me, and I, you know, I just I wanted to give Chicago that touchdown. Yeah, that, yeah, that was I know that would have been awesome. Nice. But yeah, so but Aaron Rodgers that throw he made at the end of the second quarter. So Chicago was was imposing their will. They were a couple touchdowns ahead. It looked like they were going to go into the half with a couple touchdown lead. And Aaron Rodgers gets the ball with 40 seconds left or some crazy thing. And he, and he, and he throws this dime to Devontae Adams. He drops it over the corner, under the safety. Adams makes a nifty little move and into the end zone. And all of a sudden, Rodgers scores right before the half. And then the Packers get the ball into the second half. And Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Packers take, take it, you know, Packers pull away. Yeah, that was a tough one. The other one that stands out to me was the Kyler Murray throw that he made at the end of the game on fourth and nine to uh, Christian Kirk. My goodness. I mean, A, the stones to throw that on fourth and nine. (laughs) (laughs) From your own, I think it was like from his own 13 or something. Anyways, and just drop it again. He dropped it over. He dropped it over a safety. One safety played, played the first down line and Kirk snuck in over top of him. I think that was the one. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Or am I thinking of uh, the Cooper Cup catch? Anyways, I mean, there's that too. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. It was it was just a like the the throw to throw it that far, and and there was no run after the catch. Like it was 47 yards in the air. No, I mean it was a 47 yard gain. So he he threw it, you know, 60 in the air. Um, anyways, hell of a throw. And then, yeah, that, you you mentioned that that Matt Stafford throw. Yeah, cross the field to the wide side, just dropping it in over the defender, right into the the bread bucket. basket like that. Yeah, it's oh so gorgeous. That's and that's the Stafford they they thought they were getting. Like that's the Stafford that we saw at the beginning of the season. That's the one that they traded for, and then he had this stretch in the middle of the season where he kind of had the yips. He had the little, like the Detroit blip where it was Detroit Stafford, you know, <laughs> he wasn't yeah, thinking it, right. He was using the wrong part of his brain. And then, you know, he righted the ship last night and last night, the Rams looked like the team that their roster looks like on paper. OBJ looks like he's gelling with the team and he's actually looking like a real asset now. I mean, I was skeptical when he got traded as to what kind of receiver he was anymore or whether he could do that. He's starting to look like, um, like he is that, that, um, OBJ that they, they were trading for that they thought he was, you know, of, of several years ago, pre Cleveland. Just, just in time to get COVID. Oh, did he just get COVID? Yeah. I, I think it was today. It came out. So, well, you know. you know what? Sidebar, it's going to be um, – I thought of this today. With this Omicron variant flying around and the way it looks like it's spreading, uh, cross your fingers that it doesn't impact the NFL. 
Like, I know, I know the the vaccination rates and everything like that, but um, this thing looks like it's it's picking up speed. So hopefully, hopefully that there have already been a um, few teams that have yeah. have had fairly significant numbers uh, pop up positive, kind of all at once. Uh, you know, you worry about it right after a game. Beckham was around other guys right. throughout right. the game. Right. He was you on know. the field the whole time. Like, I, I I don't know how much it spreads on the field, but, like, it's just something to think about. You start getting enough guys on a team where it's affecting – it affects the, the team and how they perform if they, they aren't fielding their best players. But it also – I mean, if there's enough guys – you just you just don't want it to go someplace where now the game might be affected or whether they have to postpone games or shift games or we had a couple of those last season right especially as we kind of look towards the playoffs right there there isn't necessarily quite as much flexibility in pushing playoff games around no you kind of got a bit of a schedule um, or even just shifting games and now you're affecting guys prep yeah, you know, and you're shortening weeks, or you're, I, yeah, it's um. Anyways, it's just, we don't have anything intelligent to say on on that front, other than just uh, cross your fingers and and hope uh, the season plays out. Um, so Rams cards. I mean, the the Rams won. They looked like the the um formidable team that we thought they were at the beginning of the season. The Cardinals lost, but I really didn't feel like I learned a whole lot. The Cardinals still look like a really good team. They still look like, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best teams in the league. I called them the best team in the NFC last week. I don't feel like I have to eat any crow over that. The Rams played up to their talent, which they haven't been in recent weeks. The Cards played them tough. I don't feel like they didn't get blown out. Uh, they kind of they they got to play better. But it kind of feels like any any of those four teams that I mentioned could beat each other on any given week. And then once Dallas shows me something, maybe they get lumped into that conversation as well. But you got um, you got a bunch of good teams now that are kind of separating themselves at the, at the top of the the NFC. And then you got some of these wild card teams that are looking like nobody really wants to play them. They're not easy outs. Um, like Minnesota, like like the Niners, like that kind of thing. But um, yeah, and I classified Cincy in that same kind of boat, yeah. and and they looked like that. You know, the Niners uh, and and Cincy going up against each other. I feel like they're a little bit two sides of the same coin, AFC and NFC, where they're dangerous and they could play spoiler. Are they really ready to challenge the top kind of four teams in their conference uh, for dominance? They would. They would need a string of luck. They they would need a bit of a streak to yeah. kind of carry that deep into the postseason. Uh, and I don't know that we're really expecting it. I know you're hoping for it, but <laughs> yeah, they have to go on a hell of a run. I yeah. It's I not think they easy. are what they are. They're not an easy out, but they're like the Bengals. Honestly, it was a funny game to watch because they, they, you know, they go to overtime, they win it. But like the Bengals seem that like that same kind of team where they're they're a good team. Nobody really wants to play them, uh, but they're not 
nobody really thinks they're, they're going to go the distance or make any noise in the playoffs. So, Anyways. All right. Awesome. Well, this was great. This was a bit of a short one this week, buddy, but it's, uh, it was great talking to you. And, um, yeah, we'll catch up uh, later in the week. And uh, looking forward to that Chiefs-Chargers game on Thursday night. Hopefully that tells us something. I hope so. I hope it's closer than uh, than the Chiefs game this week. Yeah, that was a bit of a disappointment. For yeah, it was, it was. I'd like to see the Chargers play the Chiefs <laughs> tough, and we'll see what what that makes me think about the AFC uh, AFC next week. Okay, take it easy. You too. Take care.